Hello, everybody. This is Zach Zedit again. I'm your host, Zach Cooley, and I am here uh, with Mr. Andrew Russell. And we are we saw actually just met each other uh, at the showing of North by Northwest, uh, the famous Alfred Hitchcock film that was showing at our newly renovated and restored Millwall Theater here in Whitfield. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, I think so. You're a fiance, and I have known each other many, many years. We're old schoolmates, uh, Tina Repass, and uh, was very happy to run into you and uh, at uh, the Millwall. Um, wasn't a lot of people there, unfortunately. I was hoping for a bigger turnout for that particular film, but North by Northwest is one of my favorites. Um, how did you come about uh, knowing that film or deciding to go see that show at the Millwall? Um, I would say it's been suggested to me um, by a number of people throughout the years. And, mm -hmm. uh, it was on a list of films that I had at home that I just had been waiting for the right opportunity to watch. Yep. And um, actually, um, my grandmother, um, she always somehow said that she thought I looked like Cary Grant, although I totally think she's much better looking than me. But um, she was always like, oh, you should see some of his other films. And so when she told me that, um, well, she was obsessed with kind of classic movies. So she was just, you know, fire hosing um, films before 1960 all day. Um, for the last like 30 years or so. Um, so she had a, a vast movie um, appetite. And so she was like, you should just watch some Cary Grant films to see his style. And so I watched a film called, I think it was called You're in the Navy Now, or In the Navy Now, um, where he plays a, um, like a civilian engineer that gets conscript conscripted as a, uh, like a warrant officer in the Navy during World War II. And um, he kind of runs this ship, and it was just kind of him clumsily finding his footing, um, finding his sea legs, I guess I should say, as he was kind of getting into his leadership position. I just, you know, I, it was a great film. Um, it was, it kind of mirrored a lot of elements of my own engineering career, and so I kind of just loved seeing him on screen. And then uh, I would also say that uh, when I was living, uh, in the last place I lived, which is New York State, um, I had gone to a thrift store and purchased a four VHS box set of Alfred Hitchcock films, just totally whimsically. I'd never seen a Hitchcock film. And it was The 39 Steps, um, The Man Who Knew Too Much, The Lady Vanishes, and I'm forgetting the name of the fourth one. Um, but me and my partner made an effort to watch all four of them and talk about them. And so I was... I was pretty primed up on Cary Grant and I had an appreciation for Alfred Hitchcock and his film style. Um, and I, I was, I think I was about ready. So I had, I had wanted to watch it for a while. And of course we're trying to support the no wall in every way we can. And so that found us at the door. So you're an engineer by trade. That's very interesting. Yep. That's what I had studied at school. And I, uh, I have worked, I worked as an engineer for, about six years for a construction firm, and actually now I'm trying to be an electrician around here. That's what I've been getting into now. But um, very cool. Well, yeah. we need plenty of them. Uh, tell me, how did you find Whitville? I think it's a great town. Um, I think it's uh, 
definitely feels like it's growing, and uh, I think that it's got a lot of um, exciting stuff going on. And you know, when you go to these street fairs and stuff, it's really kind of I feel like it's really fighting above its weight class. You know, right? It's, uh, it feels like it's a college town almost on those big days, and it's just I think that's kind of an amazing feat of how it's able to perform. And so I really like that we don't quite live in the town. We don't live in the town limits, but um, where we live at, we I could I could ride my bicycle or walk into town if I had to. Yeah. And it's just to me, it's just paradise living out here, and um, so I, and I've, I've just really enjoyed it. So. Well, I would agree. I've lived here. How, how long have you uh, been in Wood County? Since August. Oh, oh. So just a few months. Actually, a year at this point now. Uh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. You're very new to the area. Well, I have lived here all of my 38 years, and I would live nowhere else. There's nowhere else in the world that I would be accepted uh, the way that I am or have the job opportunity that I do with the newspaper column, which you recognized me because of my work, which meant such a great deal to me. And, uh, when we were introduced, and you said, "Oh, you write for the paper," and uh, that that means a great deal. Um, I um, and I was happy to be there to write about North by Northwest. Um, you obviously have a an appreciation not only for uh, Alfred Hitchcock but for Cary Grant. Um, what was it like seeing North by Northwest on the big screen? I, I thought it was amazing. Um, it's, it's, there are so many details that I just really wanted to get into about why I love the film. Um, I let me just start a little bit by the other Hitchcock films I've seen. So the uh, I, I'm I'm going to blur my details between all of them, kind of as I speak about it, and I I don't want to pretend like I can review those ones solidly. But we we really enjoyed seeing the box set. Of the Hitchcock mm-hmm. films because they they were just so incredibly fast paced and witty that and they were kind of presented in this extremely fast paced style that like a film today isn't really made that way. Um, I've isn't seen that, that 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 kind of like that that they're like that like um, kind of like the director that did Hot Stars. I'm forgetting what his name was, but he, he paces everything so quickly that you kind of just like fall into jokes, but mm-hmm. they're. Hitchcock films are just super, like, the dialogue is just so rapid. And um, when we watched those Hitchcock films, it was from his earlier career, and he was, like, they were all recorded and directed in England, and all the people were speaking British English. I know it's the same language, but I was having so much trouble, like, on a VHS, trying to keep track of all the Oh, yeah. And, like, what we were able to pull out of it was, like, so funny and rich, and the insults were hilariously clever, and... I, yeah. just, I thought it was great, and then we started watching this one, and it was in American English, and I was like, I know it seems kind of petty, but I was like, oh, this is this is going to be like all the stuff that we loved about the Hitchcock film, but with like you know the accessibility of it being more digestible for our ears. Exactly. Um, I don't have to turn on the. I don't have to read the subtitles. To... <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, so I I was I was looking forward to that for sure. Um, and then as soon as the film started off in like true Hitchcock style, it was like extremely transit centered, you know, they're getting in and out of taxis, getting off of trains, getting on airplanes and stuff. And I just kind of love seeing those films because I just feel like they're kind of highlighting, um, like the explosion of transportation at that point in like our, um, uh, American history or world, 
train like a lot of them so much more latitude in how they can interact with each other. And so like they can go to dinner, they can like hide out on a you know in a cubby room or you know be eavesdropping on other people. It just it adds so much dimension. And and in, in the other Hitchcock films, for, the train was just so central because they're eavesdropping. The train comes to a stop. People are escaping. It's all the same kind of formula, and it's just fun to see it like in its absolute purest maturation. Um, so we love that. And then even in, on top of that, I mean, the, the first train ride that they were showing was the, um, the Hudson River, which is where I used to live in New York State. And so I, I used to ride that train ride all the time. And I'm just like, I was just going crazy because I love, love that train ride. And it was featured in um, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's and um, a number of other films. And so it's just it's a classic avenue to travel and I used to live on it so my nostalgia was going crazy and so I mean I that's a, it, it, it captures me perfectly so I was I was right there from the start well I'm a sucker for 1950s nostalgia I'm a sucker for old movies and I envy you uh, your experience with the train. I've, I've only ridden Amtrak once from Roanoke to D.C., and I absolutely loved it. Um, it was a, really a dream come true because I watched all those movies and watched them have dinner and go to their go back to their rooms. And, and it, it, Living in the 50s is one of the most prosperous times in American history, and it just, everything looks, the food looks more appetizing, and you know my favorite television shows. I love Lucy, and to to live as as they lived in that era during the Hitchcock films or on I Love Lucy. It's just everybody, everything was an event. Men were dressed in suits, women wore hats and gloves. Everybody was elegant looking and and classy, and and everything was done with more class, right, right down to um, riding the train. And then you're talking about a suspense film being centered on the train. How many more, you know, you have strangers on a train, you have uh, double indemnity, you have uh, murder on the Orient Express. How many uh, great films and great murder mysteries were centered on the train after that particular film, after North by Northwest? And... You know, its title refers to, you know, North by Northwest, the the traveling that, and preferring train travel over plane travel and all that stuff, which was amazing. But something for me uh, that I found quite humorous is before even before the film started, they started having power surges. They, they, they were, the lights were trying to dim and they didn't dim all the way and they kept, you couldn't tell what, if it was going to start or if they were having trouble or whatever. And I thought, oh, this is very Hitchcockian, you know. Yeah, is, exactly. Is, is his spirit kind of here messing with us, you know. Um, yeah. Because... Uh, I went to Universal Studios in 1999, in the year 1999 and 2000, where they had a Hitchcock exhibit that unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. But you could go to, like they had 
one suit with a Bates Motel, like you were in the Bates Motel. They had a Bates Motel robe, and they had the psycho house up on the hill. You could look into the binoculars to, to see if you could spot the killer on the rear window, which is my favorite Hitchcock film. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that film. That does sound like a fun exhibit. I, I, would, um, I would recommend it wholeheartedly. I, yeah, I hate that it's not there anymore. But yeah, I guess I'll have to rely on your testimony. Um, I do want to bounce back a little bit on and, and elaborate on something you had been saying. So please uh, do. Two things. Number one, I got my egg scrambled a little bit. I forgot it was Gary Cooper that was in the Navy Now movie, not the... Um, mm-hmm. not the, Cary Grant. Uh, Cary Grant, but same, same kind of... Uh, actor, you know, like the swap kind of whatever. And I, I, I got confused because they both kind of exuded a lot of, um, you know, uh, like post-war elegance, I guess, yeah. in, in, our, in our cinema. And all I'm saying is that, um, that just kind of echoing what you were saying about people being in seats and stuff like that and just how kind of amazing it was to see. And it was in color, you know what I mean? It really, like, it really popped. Yes. And uh, I actually learned recently that um, a lot of, like, transportation changes in our American culture, or I guess world culture, like, changed a lot about wardrobe. Like, um, if you look at people from the earliest, or first half of the 20th century, they wore, like, gray coats all the time, you mm-hmm. know, like stuff that went almost down to your knees. Yep. Very, and um, very, that, that's very, a lot of favor when people had to start climbing in and out of taxi vehicles. Right. And it just was too much coat, you know what I mean? But when you're standing on a train or walking around the city or whatever, it's it's a much, you know, it, it makes much more sense, you know? And so, it, you know, just little changes like that. But I just thought it was great. And, you know, it was what I thought was really cool was um, seeing the lobby of the airport when they got on the airport uh, in the film. That was like, I, in my mind, that was the earliest um, film representation of an airport. And just seeing how dramatically different it is from my experiences of like flying in and out of JFK or Newark or um, you know Dulles or whatever, it's just it's just so different. That there it was like a you know like a bus terminal basically by our standards. Absolutely, so that was kind of kind of fun to watch. And then and um, and the hotel lobbies too. You know they they were just this incredible majestic marble. And there still still are some of those in the U.S. But like everywhere he walked into was just a really, you know, like a palatial and, room where everyone was congregating and meeting. And I just thought that that was a cool thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. A hotel was a very elegant thing. And um, seeing that on the big screen for me, uh, I'm a big Hitchcock fan, probably from going to that uh, exhibit when I was 14. My mother, uh, her favorite films are. Hitchcock. So every year on Hitchcock's birthday, my mom and I would stay up till two or three in the morning watching his movies, and and I, you know, I fell in love with Rear, Rear Window, uh, The Birds, uh, Psycho, um, and then you said North by Northwest comes along. My wife and I actually found that on YouTube, which of course has since been removed. But when we watched that. We were just blown away by that, and, oh, yeah. and to have an opportunity to see that on the big screen was was enormous for me. And like you said, it's in Technicolor, and it's almost it, it may sound a little silly, but 
it almost felt like to me that I was in the picture. Like you can easily tell that that was 70 years ago, but it looked so fresh and modern and in full Technicolor on that screen, you felt like you were in it with him. You know? Oh yeah. And it, I, can't, I, I can't even describe it. You, you put it exactly right. It's just, you felt like you were right in, in the scene almost. It just is so overwhelming. And, and, and in no way did it feel like we were there for two hours and 16 minutes. I mean, yeah, it just, great. just went by so fast. And, yeah. and uh, you know, Hitchcock likes to poke. He has a very warped sense of humor, and he likes to poke fun at things. And you kind of get a chuckle when you see them kind of falling out of George Washington's nose as they're trying to climb Mount Rushmore to escape yeah. this killer, you know. And, and um, you know, and this guy knows nothing of a life of espionage, yet he can dive perfectly underneath a truck before another truck hits it, and it's an oil tanker, so it blows it up. But he knows enough to get under that in just enough time, so he's not hurt, but two other people die. It's just amazing how that how that clicks in to the sl slickness of those movies and the actors of that day, you know. And, For sure. And uh, even Marie Saint is actually still alive, uh, only one of the principal cast to still be alive, 99 years old. Um, and uh, and another one that I noticed, uh, the man who played the, pro the professor, the lead agent, Leo G. Yeah. Carroll, uh, I, he's been in a lot of early, he was in a lot of early Hitchcock films, uh, Spellbound and all, all those, but uh, he, I remember him from a 1951 version of a film that is my favorite story of all time, and that's A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, and he, and he played Jacob Marley in a 1951 film version of of uh, Christmas Carol, so that's what I remember him from. I look for that one next uh, next December. And of course, uh, that um, the in North by Northwest, the crop duster scene where he outruns the the uh, <laughs> the crop duster plane is, is that's what makes the picture, I think, and what everybody remembers. I like. Um, <clears throat> Your, the point you were making reminded me of something interesting, sure. like uh, about uh, you know the, how this is kind of commoner ended up being um, you know hiding underneath of the vehicle and uh, mm -hmm. you know getting their way out of this jam, and it just kind of reminded me of how um, you know a lot of these actors and probably a lot of the characters they're playing, like they they might not necessarily have been born in the city and they were raised like kind of in the country. Um, uh, like uh, Buster Keaton, for example, right. he's from like central Kansas, right? And, uh, you know, so when you watch his movies, they end up in New York, but a lot of them kind of started off in Dust Bowl areas and stuff like that or whatever. Exactly. Um, and, and so, you know, some of these guys have, and some of the actors have like a lot of comfort with some more rustic elements of um, what they would have been filming. They weren't just like indoor cats from the city, more or less. Right. right? But, uh, so I thought that that was kind of interesting that um, just, you know some of these actors can bring that to the can bring that to the table. But uh, another thing I was thinking was that um, 
can't really comment on the details and maybe you know more about it than I do, but I had heard that Turner Classic Movies was changing how they were programming um, from here on out, where they'd be like kind of cutting back on the amount of, or, or some change to the network, and they might even be canceling the network. I don't exactly remember the details. But it just kind of highlights that, in my opinion, how thoroughly um, the Millwall, our local theater, has kind of embraced some of these older um, movies, and they kind of have to recognize that they have to be the stewards of some of these stories as it's getting pulled off of, like, you know, cable TV, and, like, streaming services are not going to be pushing that kind of stuff, and, you know, especially with how they've been trending with the strikes and stuff like that, and trying to kind of, you know, make it a thinner gruel that they can produce more of instead of, you know, the rich uh, writing that, you know, most of us are used to. And so, you know, our local theater and any local theater across the U.S., I mean, I think it's incumbent on them and their boards to be seriously pushing to expose and bring people to these kind of stories um, so that we don't lose them to, uh, you know, the intellectual property jail, you know, where they just, they're not profitable enough to be somewhere and we just lose the story, you know, and YouTube, YouTube has a lot of them. I watched uh, Nosferatu from 1922 a couple weeks ago on YouTube. And uh, there's, you know, we've been watching Buster Keaton films on YouTube. They're all, you know, past their 100 year copyright right. shelf life. But uh, even still, you know, when they played that Buster Keaton film at um, on the 4th of July, mm-hmm. it was just amazing. I mean, me and my partner were up there, like, it, it, you know, with the biggest smile on our face, you could have imagined it was just this perfect little bow on top love story. And I was like, I can't believe that they're playing this stuff, you know. And um, I just thought it was great that they had kind of carried the torch on making sure that these stories, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't like a huge blown out crowd when you and I went and saw the film. But um, I think that you and I are obviously ambassadors and hopefully we can get more people uh to recognize the merits of this and like what role it's going to serve to all of us as a society. Uh, and I could not have said that more eloquently uh, if I had been paid. Um, but and what a what a loss to Americana and the American public in general it would be to lose a, a resource like Turner Classic Movies altogether. I hope that some sort of uh, refuge is in place for them because the American people, you know, uh, my daughter's nine years old and we have TV time before we go to bed every night and we're we're either watching an old movie or we're watching a Disney movie because you can't beat those classic hand-drawn animated Disney films or, or we're watching I Love Lucy, Andy Griffith, right now it's Carol Burnett. But those things, you know, are you don't get that in TV. We don't actually have cable TV now uh, in our entire married life of 13 years. My wife and I have never paid for cable. Um, we watch old movies. Yeah, yeah. We watch old movies on uh, TV or through, or through, you know, we have Roku and things like that that are connected through the internet. That's how we get our TV, but you can't you can't beat any of that, and it's so important that we do what we can to hang on to that. Not to mention support local establishments like the Millwall who have 
gone to such great lengths to bring it back and rejuvenate it. I mean, this is the theater that I grew up in. All my happy memories, as movie memories as a child, is going to the Millwall. Uh, uh-huh. My sister had a birthday party there. My mother grew up in that theater, and I actually had the privilege of taking my parents. They took me to so many movies there, but I had the privilege of taking my mother to see Batman a couple of weeks before we saw North by Northwest, which is one that she actually saw in its original run at the Millwall in 1989. And she, and she was wow. looking, at the, looking at the ceiling and looking at the walls and saying, this was the same, this is the same. There used to be a bathroom over there, and, and she was saying how it used to be, and it was re- it was really an amazing thing, just amazing thing to be there. Um, it's been amazing. Yeah, having I would, a, I, go right I ahead. Say my experiences were not. Um, I, I never went there before the renovation, mm-hmm. and uh, but I, I from the testimonies of people that I've told about going there, they said they really like that it's no longer three separate theaters. Um, and uh, that they've combined it into one big one, um, which I think is cool. Um, my only my only criticism was the popcorn. Uh, I like the movie theater. I want it served in a five gallon bucket, so I don't have to you keep eating it and just shovel it in when you're watching. You, you know, really dodging your crop duster. You, you um, absolutely. But, uh, um, that, was, that was my only criticism. Was I wish they had a larger popcorn bucket, but that's all right. Yeah, my wife. Um has spoiled me on the popcorn. She actually buys the kernels in in the jar. We don't even buy the microwave stuff. She cooks it on the stove and and yeah, cooks, cooks it in real butter and white cheddar cheese seasoning. So she's that's, uh, that's good. So she spoils me. I, I I very very seldom buy popcorn out, uh, but for reasons that you just mentioned. But it has been. Quite amazing having this conversation with you. I hope you've enjoyed it half as much as I have. It's been a real pleasure to meet you, and I hope I will see you at some more uh, movie screenings. And uh... Absolutely. Um, I will just plug, since we're on the topic of uh, old-timey stuff, yep. um, maybe film. I, I had a radio station in, in the Hudson Valley, WBKR, and on Sunday nights they, they would do a, um, they still do it, but they would do a, they would play old, like, radio shows from the 30s and 40s. Which I absolutely they, love. They're just, they're amazing. They're just super rich with, like, ex, you know, extremely witty, clever stuff. And um, on Sunday nights, um, it's called Voyage into Vinyl. And he usually plays, um, his name's Marcus, he usually plays uh, in the evening around, like, starting at like 6 p.m. And then he, he plays their old radio and then switches to old songs around 8 p.m. And they go till 10. So if you want to do that, listen to that, and you want more of that content, go on WBKR.org on Sunday nights and listen live. And it's just uh, it's just a riot. Some of that stuff is hilarious. And on Halloween, we do spooky stuff. And obviously, it's written with the same level of rich, richness. And um, yeah, so maybe check that out. But anyways, I just want to thank... Thanks for having me on here. I love the discussion. And um, everybody get out there and see some of the older stuff. It's got a lot of Americanisms in it. You know, a lot of stuff needs to get improved upon. And uh, society's still working on that, obviously. But yeah, it does have a lot of core elements of what we um, what we love about America in some ways. And so it's definitely worth celebrating. So 
Jonas Field. And I, I mean, I, I discovered Buster Keaton this year, and oh my God, he, he flatlines me. His love stories are perfect. The acting's perfect. It's, it's amazing. The music is great. So just check it out. Yep. He was Lucy's hero, and Lucy is my number one. So mm-hmm. Lucy, uh, he was Lucy's mentor. So yeah, he's fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye.